All right, welcome back to Shuttlepod at the Disco. This is our second season, just like the second season of Star Trek Discovery, and our fifth episode, also about the fifth episode of Discovery. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Wright, and I'm here with my other co-hosts, Kayla. Hey, everyone. And Jared. Hello, friends. And we just want to take a moment. Uh, today, when we're recording, is our very own Kayla's birthday. So, happy mm-hmm. birthday, Kayla. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for taking time, even though it's your special day, to still record with us on the Shuttlepod. It's always a delight to be able to have you on with us. You know, we, we've missed you a couple times. Last and that's how much she likes Trek, folks. She'll <laughs> take time out of her birthday to talk Trek. Yeah, exactly. thanks, guys. No, it's always fun chatting Trek with a couple of my favorite people. Oh, oh, and I, if we were in the same room, I would give you a piece of cellular peptide cake <laughs> with, with as mint frosting yeah. as you want. <laughs> uh, well, so we're here to talk about episode five, The Saints of Imperfection, written by Kirsten Bayer and directed by David Barrett, who also directed the really fun mud uh, time, you know, time loop episode last season. Oh, so good call. Yes, so he's got, you know, he's got a, a really tough episode under his belt already from last season, so good times, good times. Um, and we do listen to our fans, so we had a fan request that maybe we should include a quick little episode synopsis, mm. just for people who don't listen. A lot of people listen to it week of, or pretty close to the episode, but a fair number of people, are, I think, are going back and listening, so we actually had to request that, hey, maybe remind us of what this episode is about. So, hey, we heard you, we're going to do it from now on. We'll take the little two-sentence synopsis that CBS puts out, and we'll read it. So I'll read it right now before we move on to talking about it. So, Saints of Imperfection. Burnham and the crew navigate a dangerous alien landscape in a race against time to save Tilly's life. But Stamets is not at all prepared for what they find in the process. Section 31 is assigned to help track down Spock, much to Pike's dismay. So there's your official little recap. Pretty good recap. Yeah, that's yeah. CBS approved, Solid. so there you go. <laughs> um, and what do we think about the episode, you guys? Well, I overall liked it. Um, taking, you know, the 30,000-foot view, I, I really, I thought, in general, <laughs> I really liked the episode. Um, mm-hmm. There were aspects of it that I really very strongly disliked. Um, oh, interesting. But, like, but like the way... Uh, I guess, like, just as a, a as a piece of television, I thought it was good. I had I had fun sure. watching it, and that's t- sure. typically my barometer for for wh- whether I enjoyed an episode is if I had an enjoyable experience personally. So sure, sure, Jared. My, my reaction to this was relatively neutral. I, I preferred the previous weeks uh, more. Sure. Um, I, I and I wasn't sure like the other one just seemed like it had so much in it and this one I don't, you don't necessarily want to say it was filler uh, but it, it just didn't grab me that much they, mm-hmm. they, they did uh, I do like something that they're doing I feel like they're doing it consciously where there's this idea this cliche of like the Star Trek metaphor you know and I think I mentioned it in one episode they make fun of it on that Futurama episode where they say we'll just solve everything by using some kind of metaphor to quickly encapsulate what happens yep. in science, like mm-hmm. like letting all the air out of a balloon, right? And with this mm-hmm. one, like Tilly makes a reference to a lightning rod, right? And I just love that they are hitting these sometimes more than one Star Trek metaphor in every episode. Oh yeah. Well, let's not forget this one. So I like this. 
this one has two because they have the lightning rod and then they also pike talks about using the discovery as a doorstop between the two there realms. we go mm. yeah so they so they're, they're, they're on it. with that <laughs> and and that's yep. the kind of fan service that i like that uh, makes people like us kind of kind of smirk but that isn't a distraction right i agree totally i agree totally I thought the opening, there was an opening scene. I think, I don't know if it was the, it wasn't the first scene, but there was a scene on the bridge with um, Michael and uh, Pike. And, we, you know, when they're sort of setting up the the conundrum for the episode. And I thought it was just like, it was very Trekkian, the way that they mm. sort of set up the problem. And then the both of them, mm-hmm. like, they say some, you know, quip to each other, and then both of them head onto the turbo lift. And I was just like, ah, oh, that felt like a, Star Trek episode that just the setup of the premise oh, was classic. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, the the other the other Star Trek trope that they continued is where, and then we'll get into the meat of the episode after this, is where um, the Empress, I guess we'll call her, she used the expression "trigger happy cowboys," and that, she did. That, I thought that was on the nose, maybe. Oh, yeah. you thought was that was a little too much? Yeah. Because that... cowboy diplomacy is what the 24th century looks back on the sure. 23rd century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. You know what I mean? good. That's a good point, yeah. Matt. Yeah. But otherwise, like, yes, it's cute. We get it. Cowboy diplomacy, yada, yada. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, it's it's been referred to that way. But she's like, she's like, it's like, it's like too aware. It's like right. too self-aware. It's like, no, this is the okay. era you're in. You shouldn't, you shouldn't think that. At least that's what I thought. I was like, you shouldn't think that yet. You know what I mean? Because it's the norm. Yeah. Sure. See, and it also reminded me of, like the idea of the wagon train to the stars, like that was a, a western. Yes, term. yes. So I like that's that very that's good. been a through line through the whole franchise. Although we have to assume that whatever that the universe that the Empress comes from, the cowboys are all evil and they all have goatees. <laughs> all black hats, yes, black goatees. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Funny. All right, so so those were our general reactions. Let's get into the uh, meat of the episode. Sure. So it. I think we get the the first really obvious thing, which is like, uh, they can't actually catch Spock yet because they've been teasing this for so long. It couldn't just be this easy, right? Oh, we tracked him down. Oh, he does a little dodge with like a little, you know, light up some gas in the nebula maneuver. And then we've got him like, no, I think everyone saw that like this couldn't be the end so simply, right? Like, it's just, it's just. That's yeah, not I, the way Discovery plots things out. I'm, I'm, you know? I'm getting I'm getting Spock fake out fatigue. Yes, I think we <laughs> all are. I real I agree. I think we all are. It's like last season we were getting twist fatigue. Yeah. Kept, there was always a twist, and now it's just like, well, like you said, like well, we know it's not going to be Spock, and it, it's just like the little. It's like a weekly reminder that there's this thread, this this story thread that we're supposed to be following this narrative thread they're supposed to be following which is spock and the red bursts except for the fact yep. that we're not actually gonna learn anything about spock or the red anything Burst with that this week yeah, at, all. at all like for several so, weeks so. and i'm getting kind of tired of it i'm like either tell yeah. the story of the red bursts or don't right and of course i think it we're, we're sort of jumping ahead but i think it puts quite a quite a hang to hangs quite a lantern on it when when cornwell basically says okay knock it off now go but get back to your main mission of those seven red bursts mm. you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. it's like oh right there's that thing right we should have to go back to that like okay like n- none of it ties into the like i like all these little these little jaunts that they're taking i like the little individual stories that they're taking like the thing with saru and the thing with that they did this episode but it ties mm-hmm. in in zero way to the overarching story so it's like 
you can't have it both ways. At least ways. that we can see offhand, yeah. Yeah. Like so far, yeah. yeah. Well, what else? Oh, so who's really in the shuttle? Well, okay, apparently it's Giorgio. Because yep. apparently to hunt down Spock, she she found his shuttle abandoned. And the thing to do is to continue using, like, take his shuttle and, and, and follow it. For I mean, that part I didn't understand at all, really. Like, so you found it abandoned... So why would you take it? Like, why do you need, why did you feel the need to take that versus yeah, your, fancy, your fancy Section 31 starship with gadgets to keep tracking it? You know what I <laughs> right. mean? Um, so I don't quite understand, but okay, whatever. So again, who? it's a fake, it's a double fake out. It's not Spock. Oh, and surprise, it's the fake, it's a fake out of the not Captain Giorgio. You know, it's like, I do like that Pike actually, uh, shows himself to be pretty on top of it and pretty intuitive and like aware and already calls BS that this is the Giorgio of Starfleet, you know, like he already knows that this doesn't seem right when he meets her. And part of it is also because he trusts Burnham's intuition. And of course, Burnham like is the last person to drop her phaser because she knows what the hell is going on, you know, Yeah. in the shuttle bay. And so he, he looks at her reaction and, of course, we also find out the universe is quite small because Pike and Georgia were contemporaries at the Academy, mm-hmm. which at least sort of makes sense they would be about that contemporaries. But like, of course, they were apparently the exact same class at the Academy. So he has some passing familiarity with her. Sure. So he uh-huh. so he already can kind of smell a rat because that isn't what he remembers, you know, from 20 years ago or something at the Academy. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, too, we we. We established a lot of things like that. I think yeah. a lot of people were unclear about, like whether how like, how many people know about Giorgio and who she really is. And this establishes no, they it really is like Pike had no prior knowledge of this and doesn't really no, know right. who she is because all the mirror universe like shenanigans are essentially like classified, like triple top secret. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of they're, what's they're, not they're... triple top secret. Yeah, what's not, Kayla? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So Section 31, like, everyone knows about Section 31. They're basically like the police force. They're not even, like, they're not even undercover. No, they're kind of like the FBI, I suppose. Like, everyone knows what they are. They have badges. Everyone knows who they are, what their mission is. They announce their presence when they show up. Tyler, who's now been drafted by them, wore a badge. They have black uniforms. Yes, they all have evil yeah. black leather yeah. uniforms. A, a leather a leather getup is required. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, the universe is small because Pike happens to know the current, like, at least the current face of Section Thirty One, Leland. Like, yeah, he knows that guy right. too. And it's like, really? Well, I guess okay. if, if he was the, like the head of the FBI, quote unquote, a Pike might know him because he's like a head. He's like a big sure. captain. If he's right? a public so, figure. Sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. but they talk about how like they're buddies and they saw each other <laughs> a few years yeah, ago, right. and it's you're like right. okay, yeah, true. Yeah, they don't just sort of know each other by reputation, which would make the that would make sense, right? Like you just said, like they should sort of know each other as sort of leaders in their fields, yeah. but like no, instead, like that's his old buddy too, and it's like okay, really, I don't. Maybe they were right. they've like, attended the same intergalactic conferences. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. The interplanetary, not so top secret police space force conference. <laughs> those are popular. I have heard. I have heard of those. I've heard good things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, this is slightly annoying. I would it's say. So no, I mean it's so much beyond that for me. 
So now officially Alex Kurtzman has said that he feels that he wants to give Section 31 an arc from being more in the open to being less in the open the way it ends up by the time we get yeah, to like the 24th to, like, century. Yeah, like it like yeah. this episode season will end with we're going to discontinue this branch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Giorgio is going to basically poison Section 31 at this point and everyone's going to like disavow it. That's kind of what I think this is going. Well, but we'll see. I I I'm I get that, and that's definitely, you know, a thing that could sort of work, but I still don't buy it because by no, the time, either, a, a, you know, that is a that's a thing that would be in the history books, like that, you know, if you look, oh, yeah. if you look at when we were first introduced to Section Thirty One, D Space Nine, like no one had heard of it. it yeah, it no one knew what it was. It wasn't like if we had something called the FBI, and then it got discontinued, and then. Everyone would still know. People would it still was, know though. it exists. Yeah. If you look at what yeah. was around on Earth a hundred years ago, in real life. Okay, like, okay, so like the Secret Service, I believe was, and I could double check on Wikipedia. I think the Secret Service was founded after President Lincoln was assassinated. Yes, that sounds right. Yes. Okay, but even mm-hmm. then, a group whose name incurred, includes the word "secret," everybody knows about them. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Although you don't necessarily know who 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 is a Secret yeah, Service. Yeah, they, they don't wear. They don't wear stupid badges yeah how how could you just shuffle that especially you know when when malcolm encounters section 31 in enterprise they're, yes they're secretive yep. too right they are and so um going back and looking at it they're never very clear like how secretive they are back in the enterprise era and so i think they're taking that as like fudge factor to be like okay so since it's never clear how secret they are sort of in the 22nd century let's give them this arc that they go totally underground and they totally become a rogue a rogue nation if you will borrow from another <laughs> from a, another franchise there <laughs> nice. Um, nice nice rogue nation drop there right right so uh <laughs> they're looking for a way to like go well it was kind of ambiguous like before like it's not ambiguous in the 24th century but it was before so maybe we can have room to play with it I'm like, all right, I'll give them that. I don't like it personally, but I'll give them it. Like, okay, like I think fine. it would have been more clever to have them be something different and then sort of at the, yep. and they'll take us on this arc. And then at the end, they say, they, they come up with the reason that they change their names to Section 31. They end up becoming referred to as Section 31. Sure. Yeah, Like maybe exactly. it turns out the, the 31st section of, which is, you know, some contingent of people within this secret organization. Sure. They're the ones who like, who went rogue you know what i mean well, so, people on the the 31st first floor of their of their headquarters or something yeah <laughs> or in this this you know it's like area 51 like section 31 some region sure. of people but that section 31 rogue. explicitly refers to the starfleet charter the so starfleet it, charter. Like it does yeah, yeah it does it already has a meaning okay all going all the way going all the way back to earth starfleet in fact so you know pre-federation mm. So it kind of already, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they already do. So they can't, you know, make a fun name again because they've already got a name. You know, they keep, and they keep using it. So, hmm. yeah, I, I think there's better ways to handle this. I agree. I don't know exactly, like, how I would handle it personally, but it, it does bother me that it's apparently this, like, open secret when it doesn't really seem like it should be because these guys are supposed to be doing some top level black ops that very few people should really know about, like, at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. If you're if you're a black ops person today, you're not going around advertising it. Hell no. You don't carry a badge that says, "Oh, by the way, I'm part of an elite like 
a black ops squadron yeah yeah <laughs> hi I, i'm with seal team seven yeah, exactly you don't, don't hear about right it exactly yeah do, do you have a do you have exactly. a seal discount here at subway because i can show you my badge yeah 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 do you want to see my mission patch from one of yeah, like, no no <laughs> no so yeah there's there's some problems there but all right so um okay so we sort of have to take it at, at you know we just have to kind of run with this now that okay section 31 at least in this era is some sort of open secret division at, at least say like command level officers know what it is you know so all right yeah, I'm not. I, I'm. I don't like it. But yeah, moving on. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what I mean. We just we just have to we just have to go with it. Like that's what they've decided. So we'll just have to run with it. Yeah, you have to you know have to bite your tongue at least for the moment until we figure out where it's going. It was interesting to see Tyler because he's brought on as this liaison officer. Yep. Um, yep. It was interesting to see him and Pike interact. I like that a lot because. Too. Again, Pike is. This is one of the first episodes in a, in a little while where Pike like actually is like uh, no nonsense yeah. like commander yep. instead of like he got a little too like oh please like me I'm your buddy yep. in a few of these episodes mm. and in this one he's like who the hell is this guy mm-hmm. this is my you know I'm in command of this ship this is my ship yeah. like why is this dude here mm-hmm. and you know what that's exactly like can you imagine like Kirk having a a liaison in fact we know what that's like because think about how many times bureaucrats well yeah think about right exactly think how many times bureaucrats stood on the bridge Mm -hmm. and were like oh i'm this official like federation you know bureaucrat and you're supposed to listen to me and he'd be like who the hell are you and why are you on my bridge and Mm -hmm. like you get to stand over there and when i want your input i'll ask for yeah i thought that was totally appropriate and that's exactly what happens here and i think that's totally appropriate for a captain of a starship to be like cool you're a liaison that means you stand over there <laughs> you know like <laughs> you you observe you observe and like he know. moves tyler moves to go somewhere at one mm-hmm. point leaves the bridge and he's like well, you're not going anywhere yeah no right protocol says you stand the bridge like, yeah nope. and that was totally so, appropriate also tyler yeah it was for the love of god wash your hair <laughs> yeah tyler like you left chronos like there are you know yeah like klingons are down and dirty we get it but like go take a shower <laughs> please please <laughs> we're not gonna cut it maybe tri- at least wash trim it. your beard a little bit you know yeah. trim or beard oil you know it's yeah. cool whatever yeah um but i do like that of course like he shows up on the bridge and stamets is in the middle of discussing his plan and dude he his eyes uh, rightfully so dart right over tyler and can't even yeah. believe that tyler's back here you know, free, free moving about the I ship. I mean, frankly, like, I can't either. No, it's right. It's it's rather unbelievable. And I also like along the same lines that Nan, who is now, you know, the acting chief security officer that came with Pike, she's keeping an eye on him too. Like, you know, in, in the mess hall, she's got, you know, one eye on him. And that's how it should be. He's this unknown person that is from a somewhat unknown agency you know that we don't really understand their role and the last time the guy was on the ship it's pretty clear that everyone knows that when he was last time he was on the ship he snapped the dude's neck yeah. you know what yeah. i mean Pe- people know yeah. Yeah. yeah so people know and they're all very distrusting sort of appropriately so i think about it i agree and i like that pike has a really good moment with burnham where he goes look there's two things that don't, you know i don't trust here like whatever's going on with Giorgio like I don't trust and you knew something because you dropped your phaser like last very hesitantly and then 
too, like there's something going on with Tyler. Like, I don't trust him. I don't think he should be here. And, you know, Burnham has a nice, nice moment with him and says, this is a much larger conversation. Like the whole thing is a much larger conversation and like not for this moment, but please trust me. Like we'll have a conversation about all of this later when we're not in the middle of a crisis, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. And then Pike and another nice part is Pike does accept that, but he then says like, don't make me come drag it out of you. Like you, I'm trusting you for now, but you do need to come to me and like disclose this stuff Mm -hmm. at some point, which is a reasonable, you know, kind of leadership thing to do, which is like, okay, I trust, you know, I trust you as like the third officer of the ship and a trusted science officer. But like (laughs) the second, like this runs out, you need to talk to me about this. You know, again, Good Pike moments. Good leadership moments from Pike. Agreed. Yeah. Really liked it. Yeah, really liked it. So this and the this stuff that we've talked about so far, and then a couple of things at the end were the parts that I mm-hmm. I think least liked about this episode. Mm-hmm. I very much liked the jaunt into the mycelial network, like in, in a lot of ways. I liked the um, okay. The visuals were incredible. Yeah, it reminded. It looked like uh, Avatar. Yeah. Sure. It did a little yeah. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. And I thought it looked cool. It, it was a little weird. I thought it was a little awkward the, at first when the ship, like, tilts and then gets jammed into the mirror universe. It was just, like, a little awkward moment. But as soon as that they – once they did that and they 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 made the, the barrier look like sort of waves lapping up against the shoreline, showing where the barrier was against the hull of, the, of Discovery. Yeah. I thought it looked really cool. And I thought it looked cool to see um, – to see Tilly and May kind of standing, looking up at the Discovery half-cocked into the network. Yeah, that's a really cool shot. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I li- and I also like Pike's description of this, that he calls Stamets' plan very bold and deeply insane, mm. which is awesome. Yeah. Because really, like, how do you half-jump, really? Sure. Like, it's st- It still, like, boggles my mind. Like, how would one half-jump? And they try to explain it. I didn't not buy really it. very well. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Arium was like, oh, you set up without, like, an end point. And I'm like, no. that's not half in, half out, though. Right. That doesn't mean what you just said, like, well, actually, what you just, what she just described sounds to me like you get yourself lost deep in the Messiah network. Right. Because you have no, you have no coordinates, mm. right? And so I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Okay, whatever. Cool. We'll just trust Pike when he says it's like a doorstop and let's move on, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's just the moment where you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, whatever, they couldn't think I mean, of a reasonable way to do this. Let's just go well, with it. Well, and, and really everything about the Mesa Network is pretty out there, right? <laughs> I mean, everything is pretty funky. Like, so you just have to go with it. You just go, all right, what what else is, where's this crazy ride, this spork ride going to go? Yeah. Yeah. And Tilly was great, as always. I mean, what else yeah, is new? Always. Mary Wiseman was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and can, can, can we talk about her line that was like maybe her the best line in the whole series so far? Yeah. The uh, I'm, talking about? I'm holding a Type Three phaser rifle, and it's more powerful and generally larger than the Type One or Type Two, which is why I guess they call it a three. That is spectacular. <laughs> yes, I love that. Is, that. Here she is, uh, and and you know it's kind of a, a a cliche, particularly if they want to show like a strong independent woman, like that she gets a gun in her hand and all of a sudden she's a commander or whatever. And instead, they decided to show Tilly is out of her element here. She's trying to use her sense of humor. Uh, to be analytical and to try to cope with being put in a situation that makes her a little uncomfortable having a weapon. Yeah. And that yeah. I thought that was great. It, it's yep. it's 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 so hard not to not to love what they're doing with that character. 
Same. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I just feel like Mary Weissman just gets better and better every time I see her. Yeah. She's awesome. And she, yeah, her character's so relatable. I think that's what's mm-hmm. great about her. And she's shown so much growth. The character or the actress? The character. Oh, okay. Probably both, but the, certainly yeah. Well, yeah, the character. I think, yeah, the more time they have with the actors inhabiting the role, the better they can sure. mold, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Tillian's up there through the crazy cocoon, as we know from last week, that crazy cocoon thing that I guess you could sum it up as a mycelial transporter, right? That's kind of the, the short version of that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funky and whatever. So now we learn that the Jossep, which is what May is a manifestation of, basically, are essentially the detritivores words of the mycelial network. They break down like old stuff. Detritus. Re- yep, exactly. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Is this actually a word or is that I've just or did you make that up? No, that's a real word. That's that's the word for like insects and like bugs that break down oh, crap. That's cool. Fantastic. I hadn't heard I've it referred to before. as detritivores before. But yeah, I, like, like detritus. detritus. Yeah. 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 Right. Trapped with the forgotten in my detritus home. Yeah. Right, that's a- so there you go. The Jossep are like the or the bottom feeders kinda, you know. Uh, yeah. cool. <laughs> the facility network. Um so we figured that Which, out. And they they also not only do they decompose living stuff, they apparently also decompose tritanium. Sure. Whatever that means. Whatever they can get their hands yeah. on. And then we figure out that May's somewhat ominous thing that she said last week about Tilly, that she still needed her, you know, is that there's a monster killing the Jossip, which is weird, right? Like, what is that about? Like, because we knew that there was damage somehow. Like, somehow the Discovery jumping was damaging their their home like their home environment yeah well we thought it was stamets right before we thought it was stamets that was this monster you know and it's honestly it's still not clear to me if there's two things going on or one you know if Mm. the jumps themselves are still harmful or if it's like entirely this monster's fault that they're you know what i mean because they made it seem like last episode they made it seem like it was just stamets jumping she's like there he is he's the captain he's the one who you know brings the ship into our space and that's yep. the causing the damage. And then all of a sudden, they're like, just kidding. It's this other dude. This monster, quote unquote. And so I think a lot of us saw this coming, really. Yeah. But the monster is Culver because we knew that Culver was coming back. Sure. This is really the only way it's going to, he's going to come back because he's out there in the, floating in the spores. So it's got to be him. Um, and they set that up too because she starts walking through that mycelial forest and is like, don't touch that. And it's this apparently tree, like, you know, spore tree that's covered in bark that's poisonous to her species. And so it's like, hmm, oh, did Culver cover himself in that to protect himself from being broken down again? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, he, yes, he did. Like, I didn't see that coming right away, but this, but eventually it was like, oh, yeah, yep, that's what he's going to be covered in. And like, sure enough, that's what he was covered in. So... That makes perfect sense, I guess, like in, in the in the crazy logic of the mycelial world. Like, okay, he covers himself in the spark, so he can't so the Jossep aren't instinctively like well, because they're instinctively drawn to break him down in theory, right? So then he covers himself to not be broken down by them. Mm-hmm. And then he's the monster. So cool, cool. All right. I guess that works. I guess. It's all a little weird. Yeah, it's all a little like, okay, we have to just go with it. Well, they try to explain it, and 
the, I really didn't buy the explanation for it. I was really hoping they were going to make this make sense. But they they, yeah. they they decided that this they want to bring Kohler back and they want it to be really him. Mm. Even though right, he really right. It died. can't be some weird double or it can't be some weird double. It can't be some, yeah, oh, like it has to be him. I, I assumed they would bring like the mirror universe Kohler back the same way they did with Giorgio. So this is similar but different. Yeah. Well, but Mary Universe Culver would be a bastard. He'd be like an evil doctor who carves people. Oh, up. yeah, like Dr. Phlox doing the mean things to the Tholian. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And he'd be right. a different so person. So you wouldn't want him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you actually wouldn't want him. Mm-hmm. So it has to. It really has to be our Culver. They wanted somehow. to bring our Culver back, but you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's hard because he, 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 he died. His physical body died, and he didn't have any real connection. Like, they're saying that this tear, they showed the scene of... of yeah, the the tear is more of a symbol, but yeah. Well, okay, so then what? Yeah. But that that's it, right? Because, um, well, so Stamets was like that was when he was in his crazy Gary Mitchell phase, and, and so he was, he was going all, back like, and forth between to the it. network. And yeah. He's like, I was the conduit or something like that. So apparently, yeah, apparently, like basically, his life energy was transferred through Stamets. How I know it, it's you can't really look too hard at it because because yeah, if anything, then that makes me think it's like a reflection from Stamets's memories. Or Stamets' idea of who Culver is instead of his act. Yeah. You can't transfer someone else's life force through your... What? No. It does... Yeah. Again, not really holding up if you think about it for too long. If you think... I don't know. Yeah. I just... I, I like... You know, I was watching this scene and I, like you said, I kind of saw it coming and it was going to be Culver. I was happy to see him. I liked the character. I liked the actor. I liked the Stamets-Culver relationship. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to see him. And so a big part of me was like, you know what? It's fine. We're so happy to see him. Let's just enjoy that he's back. And they just kept, but they kept doing weird things with it that my brain Mm -hmm. was going, well, but that, no, no, that doesn't make sense. So this was the first part of it. And I was like, eh, maybe I can Mm -hmm. deal with this. And then they do this. And they had some nice scenes where they're trying to bring him back into our universe. and And like, you know, again, that Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz do an awesome job selling all of this. Yes, like, they did. The, the, you know, yeah. the, like Colbert, you really believe is this guy who's been basically like found himself somehow reconstituted and then try and then something's trying to like eat him basically. Yeah. And so this poor guy like has just been through hell. Yeah. And he can't believe, and he can't believe that that's the real Stamets because he's in the mycelial network. Sure. So like, I can only imagine that like he's basically seen his own projection of Stamets oh. probably like a lot. And he can't believe that this is the real one. You know what I yeah. mean? He's probably seen this sort of thing in his head and whatever else, like a number of times. So that's really nice to like have that nice little moment where he talks about going to the, the Met. to the Met. Yep. And he extending the hand and he's like, okay, that seems real and grounded. So they grab, you know, he grabs his hand and that's really nice. Like, the fa- you know, but again, this is all like you have to ignore the fact that it, it's really him and he's back somehow. And then they have a really nice scene together. Yeah, yeah. You know? And when they have this, you know, where they're trying to bring, they're like, "It's okay, we can cross over here into our normal universe." Uh-huh. And he, uh, uh-huh. of course, he can't cross over because he's made of spore stuff. I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess so. And that was a yeah. nice. Mo- so I was a little confused why they chose to do that um, in the end, but it was a nice moment. <laughs> Well, especially because the obvious thing is like, I thought they, it was weird that they all of them were like, well, what do we do? And it's like, dude, it's how Tilly got here. Like you go out the other way, you use the cocoon to re to like 
change universes. But, but I didn't, and that's eventually what they do. And it didn't make any you sense I mean? to me. Yeah. So they have this moment where like, you really have to let me go. And I knew they weren't going to. But in my head, I thought no, of one not. nice thing to do would have had this to be, would have been to have this be a a truly clo- moment of closure. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. his, right. his right. grieving process has been confusticated up and down. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. And actually, that would have been pretty brave of them to yeah. do. Yeah. Like, just leave it at that. That's, what, that's you know? what I was expecting them to do. Well, I knew they wouldn't because I knew they really but wanted they to help themselves. Because of your meta knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they went every, they went around everywhere going, don't worry, it's fine, he'll come he'll back. back. And so, it's like... so, yeah, let, let, me, let me introduce that. Do we like the idea that the writers essentially, and I'm, maybe this is too strong of a term, caved to the fans in in bringing dr hugh back okay so in theory they did not cave they claimed that they actually had an arc for this the entire time what they caved about was spoiling it because people were so upset oh okay okay they were they were apparently planning to do this for culver Mm -hmm. like in season two so at least there's that yeah but Hmm. it's 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 funny because do do, do you guys buy that i think so because they, you know, they, they love to have twists and stuff. So I could buy that they thought this was a really great idea, and then it dawned on them that it wasn't such a great idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they had to backpedal. Yeah. I tend to believe it, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. Green assault. Because remember, remember when the show was first starting, the season one was first starting, and they kept talking about how you know life is gritty sometimes. So this is going to be a grittier Star Trek, and it's going to be oh, real yes. and blah blah Good blah. Lord. Except gritty, yes. when we kill someone off and we w- go just kidding we like them we want to bring them back yeah. we just bring them back to life and it's yeah, like that's, that's not real yeah. that's 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 called having your cake and eating it too yeah if you if you know if, if you were previously feeling for stamets because you had lost someone or whatever and now all of a sudden it's like oh well this is a magical place where he just gets his boyfriend back Happened because it was be, sad yeah yeah um yeah, it, it, the whole thing bothers me. Like, honestly, like it should have been like a random security guard that's got its neck snapped. Yeah, not Culver. You know what I well, mean? Like, forget it. Just don't, just don't do yeah. it. Just don't or, kill him. Or you know? like have him get eaten by the tardigrade or something, where his death makes sense connected to his resurrection, right? Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like that wouldn't have made sense for the Tyler thing because they wanted him to do that. But yes, make the death have a connection to the spore network. Have him be like in. Like working on Stamets while he's plugged into the network, you know, some something oh, other sure. than just being yeah. held by Stamets. So, uh-huh. oh, sure, otherwise right. Stamets can make. So anyone. he was like in the yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> is that it seems it seems like if he was, if he was like connected, although you'd have to have his brain scrambled again. But in theory, but like yeah, if somehow he was all connected up, yeah, in theory he could like save someone's life that way. Yeah, and in theory. and does he? What if what if he hadn't died? What what if he didn't die? Would he have made a second Culber in the network? Mm, good question. Could you do it to a person who had already died? You know, no, it just doesn't make sense for me. I don't know. So I got I just got frustrated with it towards the end. Yeah, he, <clears throat> yeah, you can't really look at this too. Well, and then really. and then but they then... go. Go ahead. Like your level of frustration that you feel with sort of the inconsistency, in my mind, kind of contradicts the idea that they had it planned all along, right? Because if they had, I think they would have built a trap door that, into his death that would have made more sense. You would have thought. Right? Yeah. I, well, 
remember who some of these writers are and they're no longer with the show too ah, the that's, true. So, that's true that's <laughs> true i wonder if that was a hackneyed thing that they just thought was really great and they're like oh no stamets could hold him it will be totally amazing and like a visual thing and, and they didn't really think it through you know what i mean it's like oh no this is amazing i'm like no nah, it's not really it doesn't really it doesn't really hold up to and then there's there's this third event of drama where they say, oh, just use the, hey, May, just just put him in the the mycelial the transporter. And she goes, oh, yep. I can't because that will close our door to your world. What? Yeah, since when? Yeah. She got Tilly through. Yeah, exactly. You got Tilly through. And also, you had been in Tilly's brain and cut, like you you came, you brought yourself into this universe and created the cocoon. So just do that again. Just make a new one. You know, I didn't. I didn't get any of that. No, especially because like they tried to hand wave it because she was like, "Well, I could. I didn't have a body. I had to inhabit you." And so then they were like, "Oh, right, but Culver really did have a body. Like, he can have one again." And she's like, "Okay, well then, stick him in this transporter." So they sort of hand waved it away. But again, it's like it still doesn't explain why the cocoon basically melts and then is unusable. Right. Like, this why? isn't. Like, and why? why did they? Why did the writers choose to have that happen so that there would be a little bit of drama? <clears throat> I'm not really sure, but. It just goes back to like, see, again, this is this tease. We talked about this the like last week too, that here's this tease of like, you could stop using the spore drive now because things, you know, like there's, they're closing off the passage sure. between, which is something we all know they but, have to do. Right. But like, they're not really doing that yet. You'll know they keep going like, oh, psych, but there's still this little possibility. Oh, and Tilly Pinky swore with May that she'd find a way to like, you know, get back to her. <laughs> So they're so they're going to right like they're going to like we know that it's just going to happen it's going yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just gotta like and so every time they do this like okay here's a way to sort of close this out they don't yeah they almost do and then they back away from yeah. it and it's like ah all right they like okay. it too much they do they do yeah just like Culver and the reality is as I think they really do need that for this season because. Remember those bursts are like all throughout the galaxy. Oh, sure. So got, yeah. The only ship that can get there is this is this one jumping, you know, spore jumping. So they kind of have to keep it around at least for a while. It seems like. Hmm. I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know. It just seems like it. But so, how about that? Uh, section thirty-one ship. Uh, kinda yeah. Hang, hanging around. Hanging around camouflaging itself and then only actually helping the discovery when asked pleaded by tyler like pleaded for so many problems by tyler so many problems with this so the section 31 ship you'll note does not actually cloak which is good Uh it camouflages itself as like a giant asteroid that's okay really because we actually saw that thing happen in enterprise there was a good arc where the Romulans were yeah, attempting yeah. to screw with galactic with, politics with, with the, and uh, using that tech. The uh, albino Andorians. Right. And so their ship that looked like kind of like a space flea, so it's uh, sort of unofficially called the flea ship, um, w- used a camo thing like that. So, all right, that if, if, if they have that Enterprise, certainly that camo could be used a century later. Fine. Okay. But... There you go. So the Section 31 ship has like active camo on it. What about that? Yeah. Uh, the way in which Tyler communicates. So here's the, yeah, uh, here's the, mm. I think the really obnoxious part is 
what does he do? Well, he smacks his communicator bag. Oh, and yeah. There's a chirp. Yeah. And what the hell, people? And I felt the <laughs> same way as Pike. What the hell kind of a bag I, is that? Or what kind of a hell kind of a That's right. Pike even that? says it. He goes, what is that? Yeah. I seriously like the first time I watched this you could probably hear my eyes roll you know what I mean I was just like really really oh my god okay so I get that section 31 is supposed to be advanced sure um I get that we need to keep an open mind for like updating tech because of course you do you do have to but like that's a little crazy that's a pretty specific established thing exactly the the earliest known communicator badge that we've seen is that the Enterprise C crew has what has you know tappable like insignia. That's as early as we've seen. So I really have a hard time buying that. Still, something like eighty years earlier, it's cool that Section Thirty One has it, but nobody else does or will. Yep. For a long time, yep. I don't. I don't buy that at Me all. Me neither. Well, not for a second. Since once the idea gets out there, why wouldn't other people say, "Hey, it'd be easier if we had uh, wearable tech right. rather than yet another piece right. of equipment you have to carry around." Right. Chatting about this with uh, some other folks, I think the the better, somewhat more reasonable, "Hey, you want to show their advanced but not too advanced thing," would be. I know people don't love these as much, but like if you want to go sort of in an evolution of where the communicator went, if you remember in the motion picture, the communicators were, were wristbands. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, oh, that would have been a you nice know, touch. Right. So like, hey, if you want to advance it a little, because sure, Section 31's a little ahead of the curve, like, okay, so why didn't he have like a wrist communicator? Mm. Nope. Instead, he's got that badge, and it's just so obviously like, hey, hey remember Next Gen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, remember that this was cool yeah. it's cool here too you know and it's like no it's not cool here like it's you almost guys, like it's, it's written cool. by people who don't have that intimate of a knowledge of star trek yeah oh, or their or their cool stuff like overrides it that's what i'm thinking is people are just like nope that's cool it overrides whatever you know common sense input you had because mm-hmm. in theory like kirsten Beyer should know she better. should that, yeah She's, no you're right she should like, like of all people, she's someone who's in theory should know better. But who knows who and, wrote this little piece of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she of course, she gets credit for the whole thing because she did, you know, most of the work. But all of this stuff is broken in a writer's room. Yeah. And people contribute pieces and, I mean, and, and people can, producers can exactly. insist on certain yeah. things get put in. You know, I mean, we don't know exactly what where this comes from. It, it, Kate, this is but, also the kind of thing that might, like, come from CBS where they say this is a piece of uh, 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 merchandise that we want to try to sell. So cram it into the... Well, episode. they're already selling Section 31 badges, though. That doesn't... Like, it, the fact that it's communicator doesn't change anything, does it? Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I think... I really just think it's someone who thought, hey, remember that thing that will become commonplace mm-hmm. in the next gen? Here it is in Section 31 because they're cool. Um, and it's like, all right, thanks. That's really annoying. But Like, okay. they're already pushing the envelope so far with Section 31 changing it from what it's been established to be at least in the future um right. that it's like just stop stop pushing it so with, with these little details that are unnecessary there's no reason that 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 moment had to be in there and it's just to be cool like you said man it's just oh look how right. cool this is remember it's- this yeah. There's and in fact like there was there would be nothing wrong with him busting out a slightly slicker looking communicator sure. that like 
that nobody knew he had on him. And then, and then the line could be like, wow, our security scan didn't show that you had that communication. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it just looks a little nicer, like a little slicker or something. And then they just go, but it's still like, you know, fits otherwise the universe. And then they're like, whoa, like, how did you have that on your person? And then, and, you know, and it's like, okay, done. Like that, pr- that still proves they've advanced tech. Yeah. Like even that, you know, they're... the whole trope of the, the secret agents have to have all this high tech stuff. It's like, it's like, I, I... do you guys really think <laughs> that FBI agents are running around with no. like technology that's not going to be known to anyone else for another couple hundred years? No, 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 uh, no. 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 five to sometimes, five to ten years at most. Sometimes the way you you perform um, uh, covert operations is by using low tech solutions yes. that people aren't exactly. looking for. Yes, you know, you know that whole hiding in plain sight thing. Sure. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah. Like well, like, like the, the Bajorans with the like <clears throat> the cup that they would turn a cup over to indicate they were in resistance, right? Super sure, super right. low tech. Well, and it's also like it's more interesting to have a covert ops force that has all the tools that they need at their disposal that are modern tools, but have to find other more intelligent solutions for doing mm. cool covert things rather than just, oh, I can just tech my way out of everything because sure. I have magical right. technology that can solve <laughs> any of my right. problems. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like at least what we know of, you know, what little we know from Section 31 from, like, Deep Space Nine, like, Sloan doesn't have his own shit. Mm-hmm. That's part of the point. Right. He basically, he has, like, forged Starfleet intelligence credentials mm-hmm. and, like, commandeers a ship or, like, books passage on a ship sure. and, like, shows up somewhere. Yeah. Like, it, he, you are not supposed to know that he's anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, um... Ethan Hunt on Ethan Hunt's best day of the year to continue our right. Mission Impossible references. Right. Well, I, and honestly, I really think that they are thinking about the the Mission Impossible series, the way they're doing this. You know what I mean? Because mm. a lot of the MI movies have like kind of advanced tech that are a little, it's a little too unbelievable. Sure, like the face masks. Like, like, yeah, like the, the that you can 3D print amazingly accurate face masks mm-hmm. on demand. Like, no, you can't, but okay, cool. <laughs> we'll, well, you know, we'll go with it, right? Like, it's fun. And, and, we'll and go you with have it. Spider-Man gloves to climb the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. So I think they're really looking at that as sort of like a pattern, you know, way to like pattern themselves after. But okay. So can that's all can, can I mention one piece of personal equipment that I thought was cool? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so when when Michael is running around, she has those like shoulder lights, right? Mm-hmm. And it reminded yeah. me of remember how in Voyager they have like lights on their wrists? Hmm. Yep. And it's like putting it on your shoulders would be so much better because then yeah, it's it would. inevitably going to be pointing at what you're looking at, right? Yeah. While, while at the same time having no potential to throw off your aim because you don't have your light attached to your gun hand, right? Yeah. So I, I like that they had that level of technology which seemed a little bit smarter than, than what the Voyager crew had. Also, there's, there's an episode. Do you guys watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh yeah. Okay, so there's mm-hmm. an episode where Amy has an idea to come up with a piece of equipment that's attaching lights to your shoulder pads, right? It's exactly oh, what Michael right. has in this. And, uh. and and they shoot it down, the the her superiors shoot it down because uh, cops can just hold lights in their mouth and mouths don't cost anything. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. do you remember that? So that just gave me a little giggle when I saw that and thinking, uh. I'm glad that Michael doesn't have the same limitations of the uh, Brooklyn police force. 
<laughs> right, and that's the, that's their tactical gear that they've had since season sure. one. Sure, yeah, yeah, it wasn't so, new, but it yeah. just it was when I first it's noticed. Just, it's smart, thing. yeah, and yeah, it's it's no, well, yeah, when the, we're in there in the upside down world, you could say exactly, it's very yeah. noticeable. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah. I always had a problem too with the TNG uh, flashlights that were those weird squares that you have to hold. Yeah, palm palm, palm, yeah, you have to hold them in your palm, and it's the yeah. most so awkward yeah. hand position. Yeah, yeah it's dumb. What, it's, be- it's not er- it's not ergonomic yeah. at all. Especially when yeah. sh- you know, shouldn't everybody have like um, goggles that could be as good as almost as good as Jordy's visor? Well, yep that's a that's another problem that they just choose to ignore. Us, but yeah, okay, we don't need to get into that <laughs> issue. Then we can yeah. we can just flip. But but you're right. That is that is one that's of those things they just point, choose to though. gloss over yeah. about the team See, here. And, and part yeah. of that part of that too is also budgetary related right like they don't want to have to do like uh predator vision for everybody because they yeah realize it would there's like an be ex- crazy expense yeah. attached to that uh, whereas just shining a light is kind of cheap and something they need to do to make it so that we the viewer can watch it yeah 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 for yep. sure exactly exactly so yeah, so section thirty-one uncamos themselves, and they do something kind of interesting that, that um, you know they've never shown this before. It's not really high tech per se; just interesting that they they launch like three like tether points onto the yeah that was the discovery. Oh yeah, and then like like sort of reinforced tractor like points or something to help pull, you know, keep the uh, the ship. Yeah, out, that, that like, was believable. In, yeah, I thought that was cool. And see again, that doesn't really seem particularly advanced. It just seems like I don't know, smart. Yeah. I guess like just normal tech that seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. And of course, uh, in the midst of all of this, Leland wants to cut, you know, cut cut engines, like cut it off. And Giorgio says, "No, I can buy you three minutes." That's a very classic Trek thing too, which is like, yeah. I can bypass the thing here, and I can give them another three minutes and thirty-one mm. seconds. Like, yeah. Exact, exact, exact amount of time, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. But you'll (laughs) note that in this, um, this is something that I think we all kind of figured is Giorgio is not going to just like put up with like Leland telling her what to do, right? She doesn't give a shit. She's an empress from another universe. She knows like she does not. Section 31 suits her needs for the moment, (laughs) which is kind of what she even says to Burnham, you know, she's like, well, this is fun. Like for now, like I'm, you know, this is suiting my needs like for now. And of course, like she wants to do this override, and Leland's like, "No," and she's like, "Yeah, I have some blackmail right, on you, so yeah, shut the hell yeah. up." <laughs> and but that's the thing, right? Like they're they're already setting up the fact that like she's not gonna like she's not gonna take orders that she doesn't want to take. Sure. You know what I mean? And so I think this is I think probably this is part of this arc that they have in mind that Giorgio's really gonna tank Section Thirty One's hmm. reputation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's she's gonna turn it into you know what Giorgio is what Giorgio does kind of yeah. section. I mean she she and... didn't become an empress by being a team player. <laughs> exact exactly <laughs> right, Caleb. Put, well put said. That on well a, said. On a coffee mug. You don't, you don't become. <laughs> yes, an totally. By being there you a go. Available. Absolutely. Like so. <laughs> if Trek movie well had said, a store Caleb. that could you could find it there. Oh, that, dang it! That yeah. would perfect. So yeah. So I mean, obviously, like, like she's not gonna put up with this forever. She's not gonna like. She's only going to listen to Leland when it suits her, you know? And I think we all saw that coming. That, like, nah, she's not going to put up with this forever. And we, I think we liked it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that was, like... his crap. Yeah, I think that was a very, like, 
appropriate given who she is as a character yeah. that made perfect sense well and, you know? and that she sizes up her allies from a perspective of okay how can i exploit you right what's my advantage yep. i'm going to be able i'm, mm. I'm going to be able to use leverage against you mm-hmm. yep very much so and um so but after all that assist till we get tilly back we get culver eventually reconstituted so that's great and everybody's okay mm-hmm and the ship mostly makes it out, except for a lot of hull plates have been eaten up, but otherwise it's okay. They should have polarized those hull platings. Mm-hmm. I know, right? I oh, wait, before we move on from Giorgio, she had a line that I really liked. Oh, yes. Where sir. she talked about, where she's like uh, making fun of Michael, and she says, you used to be a lot more fun than this Vulcan stoicism. And that's yes. something that I have um, complained about, is I feel like the character would be better if she were less stoic and more emotional and the thing i think this is the third time i said it she should be the Raphael of the crew and if she were like more emotional i think that would fit better for the actress too so yeah I'm, i think so i i, I always wonder but, with lines like that if they're um trying to echo something that maybe they feel some fans uh, uh feel as well well i also think that's like part of her arc is she's trying she's slowly becoming more like emotional what does it mean oh, to okay. be human <laughs> <laughs> to tell us tell us more of this earth thing called kissing captain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well and so to go before we're done with Giorgio, i think um the other thing is man so she in the beginning she starts eating an apple and then they call it uh, burnham calls section 31 a pit of snakes mm. and then Giorgio hisses at her to really I complete like the it hiss. Now, the hiss is fun. Yeah, it's very campy, like, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the apple and the snake thing, I didn't actually... Silly, I feel really stupid for not catching this right away until somebody pointed out. But, like, um, so apple, snake, garden sure, of Eden, sure. you know? There it's has like, to be oh, at least one duh. biblical reference per episode. There's got to be See, right, and, There's got to be one. And I was surprised because uh, this was the first episode where Pike didn't quote the Bible. Although, he he... what he does do is this solidifies Pike as a yeah, Christian. Sure. Because um, he says... He, Georgia, actually, what's the line? Maybe you remember it better than I do, Kelly. You're about to say No, it. I just remember he said that he goes to church. There's something yeah. about going to church. Right. So, about his what, what, he, what, he, yeah, exactly. What he says to Georgia is, says, man, you, you don't give a straight answer, do you? He said, you're like my cousin. Yeah. The only time she would give a straight answer was in church. Yeah. Um, so it basically solidifies that Pike is a believer, sure. which we kind of like pretty much kind of thought so, yeah. you know, like it was pretty strongly implied, like a new Eden. He knew what was up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this pretty much clinches that. That's that's a very interesting, like, whole other topic of, like, okay, so it looks like some religions at least make it to the 23rd century, which is which is not, like, there's, there is precedent for that, actually. That's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. We actually know um, from in TOS the concept of a Judeo-Christian God is mentioned a couple of times easily. Yeah. So, and, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on the shuttle pod, but there's an episode where Cassidy Yates ta- uh, talks about how her mom oh, right. wanted her to be married by a minister, but, right. but an admiral so, is the next best thing. Right. So there's, there's, you know, especially in the 23rd century, it seems like it's, you know, maybe, maybe people are tend to be less religious, like overall, but it's not gone, you sure. know, by any means. And so that's interesting slipped in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so before we all sort of wrap it up there's there's an interesting little piece where we see uh, a returning a returning friendly face although i i wonder how friendly she is mm-hmm. at this point 
uh, on the Section 31 ship, Admiral Pike Cornwell. beams over. I was, I was glad to see her back. Me I too. Really I love her. her. Yeah. I really like Jane Brooke as Admiral Cornwell. Yeah. I don't know how much I trust Admiral Cornwell at this point, though, considering this is the same Admiral who was cool with genocide. Yeah, I was going to say. Is now, yeah. is now apparently, like, got Section 31 in her hip pocket, kind of, you know? And so... That's okay. I mean, that's not a problem in the sense that, like, in Deep Space Nine, Admiral Ross knew what Section 31 sure. was. And he was he was in cahoots with them. Yeah. So that's not really a problem. It's more like, damn, Cornwall, like, she just wants to get shit done, right? Like, she doesn't care how it's done, mm-hmm. obviously. Because um, she's endorsed the Section 31. She was endorsed this plan for, like, Klingon genocide in Section, you know, in Season 1. So she kind of don't care. She's, she's getting business done. Um, and she basically says as much, too. This whole, you know, that whole kind of spiel she has of like look nation you know nation, nation building, building is not pretty, pretty. i thought yeah. it was weird that they and said so, nation building that, that was a that was weird um choice that is words. a weird phrase when you're like a confederation of like lots and lots of different nations yep. yeah so like the speak. un wouldn't say they were nation building no it seemed well, inappropriate so I, a hostile i don't well, know why it, she, it, yeah they use that it, phrase it's also a term like directly tied to like um the war in Af- wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and and so it's something that feels kind of anachronistic to be talking about in 2019. Does that, does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. No. No. I, I agree totally. It, it didn't ring right. It didn't hit right at all. So that was weird. But you can see her attitude is though. Like, yeah, you just have to get shit done by any means necessary. She definitely seems like that. Apparently, that's that's her jam. Which is sort of too bad because I don't think that was like the first half of season one Cornwell. And I think she, they turned her into that more, you know, by the back half. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. But I liked Cornwall in the first half of season one. Yeah. yeah more I than, agree. more than, you know. So let's see. But I do like Jane Brooke. So I like her as Cornwall. I like how, you know, she's supposed to be like a psychologist is her background, right? And, and right. she's got this, this great, like, conflict, these great conflict management skills where you can tell, like, someone's read a book on management or something and it's <laughs> yeah it's she has just, yeah uh, uh, fun to see her in action because hmm. she gets those two guys in the room and she says look knock it off you're gonna have to cooperate and they yeah. both apologize uh-huh. yeah they're come because they're both like sorry old buddy because like in theory they've known each other for years because everybody knows everybody but anyway i'm sorry man and yeah i'm sorry too friends yeah bro friends. They kind of they they hug it out, you know, but hips out because you know they're they're both, you know. <laughs> the old, like back slap. Yeah, yeah, exactly, back slapping it up. Um, and then and then she says the thing that like we were talking about earlier, which is like then she's like, hey, there's this whole thing with Spock and the Seven Signals. <laughs> how about we get back on track with that? Like, how about we get back to that? And you two need to cooperate on this whole plot yeah. thing. And it's like. Oh right, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm glad we detoured and got Culver back. That's cool. But like, yeah, there's this whole big mystery. Yeah. Like, yeah. so yeah, Section Thirty One and Pike now have to behave themselves in theory and cooperate in finding Spock going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kayla. Kayla, tell us how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Section Thirty One so, thing is a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. We just we just have to be really patient, I guess, and see if they go somewhere interesting yeah. with it. Okay. Because yeah, it's I just, can it, do that. No, I agree, though. It's hard. It's hard to not be like, ugh, come well, on. Well, the really? idea I of mean, Section Thirty One as this thing that's so secret mm-hmm. that they don't even have a building and they don't have they don't officially exist and all this stuff mm-hmm. like that was interesting to me. And this is just yeah. the FBI. 
That's not interesting. Yeah, I mean, essentially, in they're like case, an elite. They're an elite unit of the CIA or something, basically. Yeah, yeah. in which case, just like call it Starfleet intelligence. Right. 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 Call it and Black in Ops. fact, and in fact, and in fact, they even call it a division of Starfleet intelligence. I think Car- Cornwall even says something about like Section Thirty One is a like a critical like arm of, of uh, Starfleet yeah, intelligence does. or something. Yeah, she does say that. That's a good point. And and so it's pretty. And that was something I mean, that, that made Section 31 scary is not that they were secret, not that they'd go to any lengths. It's that they were so off the books, you didn't know who they were accountable to. Right, they had no right? oversight. Right, totally, right? Exactly. totally unaccountable. There was no right. Senate Intelligence Committee where uh, right. Sloan had to go testify every six months. Right, and so right. he was, exactly. you know, yeah, so they did what they wanted to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think to go back to this thing that we were talking about, I think the arc kind of is Giorgio does whatever the hell she wants to do, and so that sort of becomes Section Thirty One's new credo of like, uh, okay, you know, like she's the one, and then yeah, okay, yeah, and then they go underground, like totally, you know, disavowed underground, whatever. That's maybe it. if they do it right, I guess maybe it could work. I'm trying to be optimistic, <sighs> trying to be open minded, yeah, trying to be open minded. It's it's. It's a little, it's a little rough. I agree. Like it's like a little tough, tough to swallow. But there it is. I think that's what they're trying yeah. to do with it. That's my guess. Is that's what we're trying to do. Um, so before we leave the episode, like and maybe talk about any other things we want to talk about. But before we sort of leave the plot, there's one final little ominous personal, you know, person to person communique from Giorgio to Burnham that basically, again, this goes back to what we were just talking about with her, which is like, what kind of favors can I, can I get? Right. Like who can, who can I use and can they owe me for it? You know? And so she makes sure that Burnham knows that Giorgio bought her those three minutes and that's, you know, like you owe me a favor. Like I just saved your butt and don't you just want to, you know, why don't we, you know, don't you just want to find Spock, the two of us, like, yeah. instead of, and there's the line that we had talked about earlier about the sort of gun, you know, trigger happy cowboys mm. that she reference she makes there. And, but she makes it very clear that like, she helped save you. So there's a favor owed and Burnham knows it too. I mean, she even says it and it's just yeah. like, okay, so when is that, you know, when is she going to call that favor and, and what is that going to mean? You know, what kind of, compromising position is that going to leave Burnham in to like have to return this favor I don't think she does I don't think she does have to return that favor like Burnham never asked for her help yep but you know Burnham she has this weird attachment to Giorgio I mean she brought her back from the mirror universe simply because she saw her old captain I thought it was nice that that Giorgio says to her at one point you're the one who brought me here so you can't be mad that when I show up and I'm like you know what that's fair yeah, she was like, <laughs> she was mad that Burnham had brought her. She's like, "What have you done?" She's like, "I was yeah, ready to die." She did not want to be there. Yeah, she does not want to be in this like, yeah. So sissy universe. But if they use that, <laughs> yeah. But if... Screw you guys in your sissy universe. I'm going exactly. Home. Like I'm going home. But if yeah. they use this as a way for Burnham to feel like she has to owe her something, that's stupid. I know. So I'm afraid that they seem to be setting that up. We'll see. It's dumb. Because <laughs> there's no reason. Like, I, I'd be like, I didn't ask you for your help. You did whatever you wanted to. I'm not, I don't have to pay. There's no, nothing to hold over her head. There's right. no but leverage. I think, I think it's just, it's, it's Giorgio. But it's not. Hoping to do a little emotional manipulation of Burnham because she knows Burnham's weakness. I about guess, that. whatever. It's a know? pretty big weakness. It, it is. <laughs> Especially for someone who's it, supposed to be stoic. 
Right. Yeah. Well, but that's the whole point. Burnham has a lot of cracks in that sure, stoicism. Sure. Like, and it's and it's more and more we're seeing sure. her human. If so. if only she'd had another adopted brother who could have pushed her more toward being emotional. Huh. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're referring to, Jared. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that every man hides a secret pain, Matt. <laughs> Will you share it with me? Release pain. this pain. Release this pain. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get his name dropped. Uh, I know we won't. I, I think it'd be funny if they did. They should. They should drop it. The thing once. is, you they, know what? They, they should. They don't need to um, necessarily even mention his name if they just because of the religious stuff. If they just mention Shakari, I think that would be cool. Oh, that's true. That would be that'd on be helpful. Point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would work. That'd be something. So, bef- be- before we, before I, we're getting long here, but before we wrap up the episode, can we mention the Cestus Three reference? Oh, yes. yeah, Let's, that's okay. right. I didn't know if we wanted to get into the weeds about this, but there's it's problematic depending on how you read it too. Yeah. So let's just. I'd yeah. like to put it out there to our listeners. We don't have to do a total deep dive into it, but I think it's sure. interesting to pick up on it. So they say, so of course, this is that whole Pike knows Leland from way back, apparently. And he says to him, Oh, the last time, like, I knew you were on Cest- up to your ass and alligators on Cestus 3. Mm. So there's a couple problems. Well, one is up to your ass and alligators is, I believe, is them trying to be folksy with Pike because that is a folksy, mostly Southern American saying for like up to your butt in trouble. Oh, is that actually a saying? That is actually a saying. Florida panhandle or something. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. I think, I, right, yeah, from gator country, basically, right? So it is a folksy saying. I did not know that until someone pointed it out in our comments, and I went and looked, and, like, sure enough, it really is a folksy, okay. like, Americana saying. So they're trying saying. to be cute because, um, of course. So they're trying to be cute. The Gorn but, is the... Sure. But then there's sure. another context, and that one's also problematic because, like, that's not a thing and won't be... No one knows the Gorn exists for another, like, 10 years or so. Yeah. So I think they're I think they're trying to be it, it's either very sloppy or they think they're being cute by being like get it reptiles wink wink yeah remember, they are remember like in yeah um, so that's somewhat problematic and then this one is a little this part is a little less problematic but I still doesn't don't think holds up very well which is like so there's a colony on Cestus three for over ten years before the Gordon notice it yeah when it was like but, an infringement on their sovereignty. Right. right. When well, I mean, I think I think we're all sort of implied. It's sort of implied again. Never explicitly said. It's just impression I've always gotten from from Arena is that's a fairly new colony. Yeah, yeah of course it is. Yeah, because yeah, like you said, Jared, that's what that's what sets off the Gorn is because they see that as being within their space, and so they come to challenge it. So they wouldn't yeah. have waited. Right. They see a people decade. settled it. That's that's yeah. yeah that's one of my problems. But I I think too. this can work if it really is a folksy saying, which I had no idea that was. I feel like it can work I mean, either, because but Pike could have been there for another reason, not to set up this colony. Well, the funny part is there actually are there actually is a canonical thing about Pike and Cestus Three because the eventually Cestus Three gets uh, settled. We we know that from Deep Space Nine sure. because there's a baseball team on yeah. Cestus Three. And what's the name of the city they're from? Pike City. They're from the Pike City, right? Oh, I forgot about that. So they nice. they are tra- they are they are doing a little bit of a like okay, there's some kind of connection somewhere like between all this. The problem is is like that's cute and that kind of works, but at the same time, they're making it weirdly problematic in a way because it's like so early. It's ten years like early. But I think it's you know okay I mean? if you were on the planet for some other mission that didn't have anything. They were surveying it or something. 
Sure. But it's weird because it sounds like Leland was out there years ago surveying it already, which means by the, by the time Arena happens, so at least the Federation has at least surveyed, surveyed Cestus three like 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So, eh. And it's not, it's not inconceivable like that, okay, they surveyed it and then only settled it two or three years you know, oh, yeah, prior could, to, to I arena. could totally see that because there are so many planets and with that sure. were within Federation space. Most of them do not don't but, have Federation colonies on them. So then, what was what was Leland up to his ass and alligators about? Like, what problem was he solving on Cestus Three? Yeah, I mean, then? who knows? You know what I mean, right? Crazy like, girlfriends. if they theoretically mapped it, but if they theoretically mapped it and didn't settle it yet, what does he what does he have a problem? You know what I mean? Like, what were the problems? I don't know. Like, I'm I'm kind of anyway, okay with it now that I know that that's a saying. I'm like, I think that I I don't know. I, I still feel like cheeky. they tried too hard. Eh, cheeky, I think they was but... just they tried too hard personally. Yeah. Like it's uh, anyway. It, so love it or hate it, it's a, it's out there. <laughs> There's our Cestus three reptilian it's reference. Very, very zen attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yeah i went back and forth with some commenters about it and we tried to sort of decode whether this was purposeful like purposely hinting at the gorn or not or like how it's purposely you know, hinting at the gorn clearly but yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but in universe yeah. it's not necessarily right because it, it can't be it can't because be because we don't know we don't know about the gorn yet right so there you go right. we we it's all purely, forgot about it's purely the fan service in yeah in that Lorca's whole thing crazy creepy well, that's, taxidermy that's, room, that but that's Lorca but that's Lorca who is from the mirror universe where they've conquered a hell of a lot but, how, but it's that's not just, like that's... he mirrored over at our universe with his Gorn skeleton no I know but I mean that goes back to that like well you found it in a, in a black market somewhere no one knows what it is Whatever. Like, bullshit excuse yeah it's not it's not um, so anyway <sighs> yes they can't yeah, you're right about season one. So there's there's little Gorn references now, far too early, twice. Yeah. Essentially, this one, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm go- I'm okay with it. But but you can excuse this one. Yeah, you can you can write this. I think one it's kind of like, cool actually because they kind of got you. Like you can't you can't prove that this is a violation of canon. Right. Absolutely right. So because it's, like, it's, it's kind of great. Wow. <laughs> It's okay. You, you hate it. I, I kind of love it now. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really like it. But it's also like you say, like you say, it's also not like terrible. It's like, well, I can't really just refute it, yeah, right? Because they've got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate it because of the Pike City, which I'd forgotten about that reference. Yeah. On the, yeah. Taking out to the Hollywood. I had too until I had to like do a deep dive into what the hell this was referencing and you know, thinking about it mm. more. So, but it's fun. Yeah, there's a fun part to it. All right. Well, I think we spent just enough time nitpicking Cestus Three references, huh? Yeah. Sorry that made <laughs> us go a little long, but I thought it was worth it. it, it it's it worth absolutely it. Was. And we do have one more thing. Yeah. Before we uh, talk about next week, Jared. Mr. Jared, we heard that you have oh, a Trechnik yeah, dope for oh, us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so yes. Um, so I haven't done a Trechnik dope for a little while. Uh, I had. I was talking with a friend of mine just like an hour before we started recording and he was talking about how he'd read some some study that like politically uh people will respond better to like some sort of change um if it comes from their own side so like republicans will trust 
a Republican measure about gun control and liberal and, and Democrats might trust a Democrat measure that is perhaps a little restrictive of abortion control because it's on their own side. They say, we know you're not going to you're not going to go too far. Right. Sure. Because if it comes from the other side, we we'll say, ah, oh, this is a slippery slope. Next thing you're going to do is it's going to be coat hangers and you go door to door to take our, our guns. Right. And so I, and I said, yeah, it's like the old saying goes, only Nixon could go to China. Right. Nah, so yeah, I, I, I felt nice that I was able to bring Star Trek. Now, into... did that? Now, did they recognize that at all? That's uh, the real. I, I then explained to him like the Henry Kissinger's triangular diplomacy and Richard Nixon's right. uh, more aggressive uh, foreign policy. He didn't recognize it right off the bat, but I knew you guys. That's would. okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's fairly obscure in a, in a sense, but yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. So Working I'm, in a I'm Spockism happy. of sorts. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm trying to talk Spock as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week, episode six, The Sounds of Thunder, which is uh, all about Saru, basically. Looks like it's a follow-on to the wonderful short treks, The Brightest Star, and what we learned about Saru in last week's episode of Discovery. So exciting times. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. So I usually like I got burned so many times when we were watching TNG as a kid that I I used to like leave during the uh, next week on because they'd have too many spoilers. So I've continued this and I ha- I don't watch the next week on Discovery so I can so I'm fresh when I go into it. Me too. Mm-hmm. Is that is that uh, um, a little too paranoid of me or is it probably good? Policy? Um. I think they're doing well these days. I think they do a better job of making it sort of like vague teases more okay. than like they used to. Like, uh, like, like on Mad Men, like those Mad Men yeah, teasers. Yeah, I think those so. didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> these, yeah, it, it's somewhere in that vein. I would say it's much, but yeah, you're right. It's much, the the TNG stuff was just like here we're gonna show you yeah. like hmm, a hell of a lot of plot points yeah. sometimes. Like, okay. it's like the crew takes on this alien. But he turns out to be more than he was supposed to be, or whatever, right? <laughs> and it's that's, like, oh, that's pretty. Just... Act- that's pretty good, Jared. That's that seems about right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I say, I got burned. I got burned. Yeah. yeah. The worst yeah. ones for me were the Battlestar Galactica reboot because they did the thing where at the beginning of the episode they would flash through Im- images from the oh, episode you were yeah. about the to watch right. that are happening. And I yeah, hated it because I'd have to cover the screen, like cover my eyes. Every time they oh, show gosh. that part, but they're it, but they're like just dis- but they're like disconnected. You don't really know where. They're I know, but from sometimes that, it, like a couple of times it would show because it shows key moments. It shows several, sure, yeah. uh, and so you that you'd is be like, true. Oh, I'm yeah. watching the scene now. I'm waiting for this thing to happen because I saw it flash in front of my eyes, and that's enough for your brain to register it. Yeah, sure, sure, so. definitely, yeah. Um, especially once you see like the scene leading up to that, like if you know that Starbuck is gonna get beaten up by number six, and you see and. and because you've seen a little flash of it. Yeah. And the two of them start fighting. You're like, okay, I know this isn't going to turn out well for Starbucks. Right. Or and she's going to get punched. <laughs> That's true. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway. The, the, it's, it's now, and nowadays, like in the, in the age of YouTube, it's even worse because like, I try to, I try to avoid like spoilers for these Avengers movies and there'll be like YouTube videos that say, here's what we know is going to happen because of the toys that have been released. And so there'll be like the previews will show, uh, will already have spoilers on them, even if I'm avoiding the ads. Yeah, yeah. And and the the yeah. worst was I had the fact that Ned Stark gets decapitated, spoiled to me by a YouTube preview, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it that did, sucks big it time. It did suck, Matt. <laughs> it sucked a lot. Yeah, that 
That's really sucks. Yeah. Because I was trying. That's to like the people who used to rap. Remember during Harry Potter, people would like run around and shout, "Snape kills Dumbledore!" Like, uh, do you remember that phenomenon? Yeah. People no, were jerks. Oh. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. They'd like shout it, and it's like, uh, you know, when people were in line for the movie or like to buy the book. Oh, that's, and that's not cool. It's pretty. It was pretty shitty. People. Yeah. 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 Well, are you yeah. saying that people were unpleasant to each other before the modern internet? <laughs> yes, I am. Dang it's, it. People have been spoiling stuff for far too long, huh? All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. Great talking to you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.